Good morning. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Wolt, and today we're going to meet a former website gambling entrepreneur turned coffee blogger turned coffee roaster. Mark Wortman founded Make Good Coffee Company in San Diego, originally as a wholesale business, and during the pandemic opened their first retail location. Mark is a good salesman and a pretty good storyteller, and I'm glad I'm able to share the Make Good Coffee Company story with you. While you're listening today, take a moment to follow at Make Good Coffee on Instagram or head to makegoodcoffee.com to check out Mark's Make Good Coffee blog. And don't forget to fill your coffee mug with some good coffee because here's the show. Mark, welcome to the show, uh, to the Roast West Coast podcast. Could you do me a favor and just uh, say your name and and what your role is and what your company is? So I've got it on the on the record here. Uh, you've got it, Ryan. My name is Mark Wortman. I am the one of the owners and the head roaster of the Make Good Coffee Company in San Diego, California. And I want to get this just on the record before we go too far, which is. Uh, you before you had the roastery you were a coffee blogger that's right the blog was called uh, makegoodcoffee.com it still exists it's been around since 2006 i at one point considered myself a blogger and i'm learning that podcaster is the new blogger <laughs> that's kind of the that's what i've learned so i want to get started with just you uh forget about all the stuff you're doing now but what about you and your coffee experience? Well, was there something that happened or a first experience that made you think, yeah, this is interesting. This is something I want to explore more that inspired you to start that coffee blog in the first place? Yeah, I wouldn't say that there was any one thing in particular um, so much as I've just had coffee and the smell of coffee around me my entire life. Uh, my parents were avid coffee drinkers. Uh, it was always in the house. Um, it was always around. It wasn't something uh, that I drank as a kid. So it had that uh, mystique to it that one day uh, I'd have a cup myself. I developed a taste for it uh, as a teenager. And um, after that, I'd say it was really uh, my brother who um, upgraded my interest in it. He gave me his first drip brewer uh, to take to college. And that was a fixture in my, uh, <laughs> my nightstand. And, uh, he was the first person to show me uh, a French press. I didn't even know what I was looking at, but it was definitely the beginning of me seeing just how much complexity there was to coffee. And then that's something that's been a theme for me with coffee is that, uh, the more you learn, the more you realize you have to learn. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, um, it's almost, I don't want to say ignorance and bliss because it's the opposite of that. There's bliss in the learning, but there's mm -hmm. also this, once you open that door, it's hard to turn back. You know, it's right. like, it's like starting to drink craft beer. It's hard to go back to drinking old Milwaukee all the time. Actually, I don't know if they have old Milwaukee out here. <laughs> I remember it. Yeah. I, I know that I had it when I was younger. So then at some point you start the coffee blog, why start the blog? And then how did 
going into that, reviewing coffee, learning about coffee, how did it impact your relationship with coffee in the first place? It's a, it's, it's, it's a strange story. It's going to sound at first like it doesn't have anything to do with coffee, but, but bear with me. By the end, it, it does come back around to uh, the coffee blog. Uh, prior to, to 2006, um, for uh, just under 10 years, I ran a uh, website in the online poker space. And this was a, a point in time when not all the rules had been written around online gambling, but people were having more and more confidence in giving their credit card information online. So it was a real proliferation of, of poker play. And I started a, a website that was uh, meant to be for um, people to contribute their content. You know, I would go on and I'd say, this is what I love about the game and this is what I really enjoy about it. But I would invite other people to write. And it, I realized that uh, you could get people contributing content. I, I didn't have to do all of the writing myself. And uh, it really grew in popularity. For a couple of years, if you went to Google and, and, and did a search on just poker, uh, it was the number one website. It grew so much in popularity that it, it really started to become a, a business, which wasn't something that I intended at first. And the next thing that happened was they started writing those laws around uh, online gambling and the things that we were doing um, to make money were just blocked um, with, with legislation. So what does any of this have to do with coffee? I had learned so much about internet marketing and I'd learned so much about finding a community or, or helping a community find a place where they could um, uh, read what I had to say and contribute content of their own. And I thought, what's the other thing in the world that I love that probably won't become illegal for me to uh, to get involved in? And it was simple. <laughs> it, it was coffee. I thought, you know, I, I'd love to take everything I learned from that other experience and um, apply it to this other passion that I have. And uh, that's how makegoodcoffee.com was born. You could get uh, concise, unhyphenated domain names like that back then without paying someone $1,000 for it. And the idea with Make Good Coffee was, uh, here is all the coffee gear I have in my kitchen. Here's what I'm drinking right now. And um, encouraging other people to uh, provide that same information. I uh, told people uh, just different tips I had for how to make the best cup of coffee at home. Then eventually got into home roasting, and uh, that to me was just fascinating. Like kind of like we were saying earlier, you, you learn one thing new, and you realize just how much more uh, there is. And home roasting became just its own animal for me in terms of getting into it, teaching other people about it. And then finally, I had a job in sales where I was traveling a lot. So wherever I went, I would set up an interview with a, with a local roaster and post those interviews on the blog. And so that's really how make good coffee, which yeah, it's really how it took on a life of its own. So at, you're going through, you're doing interviews, you have the blog going, what was the tipping point that made you think I need to start roasting for myself? It's oh, interesting. Um, home roasting definitely got me interested. The, 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 the more I learned about home roasting and the, and the better I felt I was getting at it, the more eager I became to make more than a, a quarter pound at a time. And um, I would say one of the really big tipping points for me was uh, the city I was living in at the time. I set up uh, an interview with the largest uh, local roaster in that area. 
and he's someone who ended up becoming a, a real mentor to me. His name was Dave Cook, and he had started a company called the Fire Roasted Coffee Company. And what turned what started as a as an interview with him turned into me just starting to hang out at his shop a lot and really learning a lot about roasting uh, as a craft. That to me was a definitely a big turning point. And then I moved from that city to Portland, Oregon. And uh, I thought I want to be a coffee roaster, but I don't think it's going to happen in this city because there's a roaster on almost every block in Portland. I couldn't think of what I would bring to the table that would be unique. And uh, I almost got in chocolate for that reason because I thought, well, there's th- I don't think there's anything for me here in, in coffee. There's already such great coffee from roasters who are already there. And then that changed. I moved to San Diego about eight years ago. And um, I think you were in the area at the time. You might remember that there was definitely some good roasters here, but nowhere near the number of roasters uh, that there are now. I felt like eight years ago, you could tell San Diego was really on the cusp of becoming a great coffee city. And uh, sure enough, my guess is that there are as many as 10 times the number of roasters now as there were eight years ago. But eight years ago is really when I made a decision uh, to get into coffee roasting. And six years ago is when I opened uh, the roastery as a wholesale business. Was there a point at the beginning where you thought, you know, I've been running this blog and I've been writing reviews and interviewing other people was there any fear that getting into it, transitioning into that side, that people would look at you and be like, oh, he's a coffee blogger? Or vice, did you not have that experience? No, I absolutely did. I had a real inferiority complex. And uh, I'd say the main reason for it is that a common theme I found among the roasters I interviewed was that uh, a lot of them came from a food background, uh, whether they uh, worked, uh, had a role, say, in a restaurant or came up through working in coffee shops, uh, or perhaps maybe a a food product manager. And uh, I found that uh, coffee roasters had so much more of a sophisticated sense of taste than I did. It would come out in cuppings that I did with them where I just felt out of my league. You know, I cuppings for anyone, you start off just by deciding whether or not you like the coffee or not. But it was a big step for me to you know, for instance, to describe a coffee as being nutty, but have the roaster beside me compare it to a specific nut that grows in a country for a few months a year. I'm like, come on, man, I'll never get to that level. So I had a real uh, inferiority complex about it. I felt like I, if I spent the rest of my life on it, I'll never have as sophisticated a sense of taste uh, as these other roasters do. But it's like anything else. You just study and learn as much as you can. Um, and after a while, you start to realize that you're more of an expert than you thought. Confidence comes with repetition. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think uh, sometimes that inferiority complex can help propel you to a new height because you are working harder than maybe the next person who doesn't have that, who's already confident in what they do. You launched as a wholesaler. You're offering your coffee to other businesses. I actually believe that we met because you were pitching your coffee for the restaurant that I was running at the time. What made you decide to open the storefront? Well, with so the the roastery has been open for um, six and a half years now. The retail uh, coffee shop next to the roastery, we opened uh, a year and a half ago. 
Uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, my business partner, Colleen. Colleen moved to San Diego from Seattle. And uh, when she did, uh, you know, I had this, this wholesale coffee roasting business. Uh, I had a full-time job and I let her know I, you know, it, it, I wasn't ready to take the big leap to quitting my job and just being in the coffee business full-time without some help from somebody. And I asked her uh, if she would be interested in becoming involved with this business. She has a background as a barista. She is really a, a project manager uh, by nature. And the thing that I knew I was lacking was that my relationship with coffee has always been to go out, find great coffee, and then bring it home and make it for myself at home. I never really went out to coffee shops a lot. So I knew that I was an expert in roasting. I enjoy doing sales uh, to grow a wholesale business, but that Colleen brought the other piece of it that I didn't have, that retail experience, and uh, to, you know somebody to do this with. So we both went off to our separate homes for the holidays and agreed when we came back, we'd talk about it and decide if we wanted to go ahead with it. And we did. That was in January of 2019. I quit my job. And of course, nothing ever happens uh, as quickly as you would like. So um, it took uh, a year, over a year before the retail shop uh, was actually opened. And uh I, it's a, it's, it's a, the way you and I met Ryan is a great sales story. I would love to tell it if you'll let me. Yeah, please. You get, um, you know, with a, with a wholesale business, you get a lot of your customers through, um, just constant contact. Who's the right person to talk to? What can I put in front of this person that would be appealing to them? Uh, and then just being persistent. Uh, and then every now and then there are accounts where there's, it's, it's, it's not that it fell on your lap, but it's almost a fluke. Colleen and I were out doing sales. We were in Pacific beach and we parked the car somewhere. We had a list of places that we were going to cold call and you were running a restaurant that was in between two of those stops. And we walked by that restaurant with no intention of stopping in at the exact same time as you were walking out with an A-frame that was announcing that you guys were had just launched a weekend brunch, and I think this was going to be your second week with it. So we said hello, you know, to be pleasant with each other, and then we looked at your sign and said, "Wait, this 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 is too good to be true." Are you guys have you guys thought about coffee? Do you have a vendor yet? And you set up a cupping uh, between us and the two owners of the restaurant, and uh, and the rest is history. So. It's, it's, it's interesting sometimes in sales where, you, you know, you got to be out on the street and just knocking on doors. And then the way you and I met, it just seems like chance. I still have that business card. I think you gave me that day somewhere. <laughs> you know, the timeline that we're talking about here also means that your storefront has mostly been open during COVID. How has that impacted you guys over the last year? Has that actually, I've heard from some roasters that COVID has been a benefit in some ways because people are buying more beans for home and uh, for, from the business side, obviously, not the personal side, but I'm wondering how it's impacted you because you have this wholesale business that was established and now you have the new storefront. Right. And not only that, but the wholesale business was running uh, perfectly well, but it obviously takes a big investment to get something like a, a retail storefront open. So, 
you know, in some respects, we were all in, opened this shop on March 4th. Uh, of 2021 and uh, I'm sorry, 2020. And exactly one week later uh, is when they announced uh, that we were in a pandemic um, one week after we opened our doors. So all you can do is, is, you know, brainstorm. How, how can we make the most of this? Uh, that those comments you'd heard from other roasters, uh, I agree with it completely. We looked to our uh, grocer customers and thought, how can we, um, how can we get more coffee on their shelves? If people are going to stay at home, they're still going to stock up on groceries. How do we get more coffee on the shelf? Where we found other roasters were not delivering uh, to grocery stores, uh, likely for their own uh, COVID protocol. Uh, we didn't hesitate to try to get that shelf space uh, and did in a lot of cases so that we started expanding our presence uh, from this. We also put our advertising budget into um, convincing people near the roastery to come to the roastery to pick up coffee to drink at home. You've got to stay at home, but there's no reason to drink mediocre coffee. This is here, Here's a nice thing to have while you're, you're staying at home. For We didn't know and knew how long this was going to last. Um, another thing we did uh, that wasn't planned at the beginning was we always thought we would have cupping classes for novices in the shop. Coffee cuppings, tastings are, are, are very underappreciated, I think. A lot of people don't realize just how sophisticated a coffee tasting is. And, and, and we've had fun putting on classes like that, predominantly for people who've never done a coffee cupping before. Uh, it's always a service we provided for our wholesale customers, like a coffee shop. If they want to bring their customers in for a, a cupping, then we come in and the shop can say, hey, look, we brought in our roaster. Uh, he's also going to to host this cupping class. And since we couldn't do that for COVID, we came up with an online cupping class where we would send uh, samples of coffee uh, to you at home and then use Zoom to conduct uh, an online cupping. That ended up being really beneficial for us too. It even led to some corporate gigs. We had as many as 30 people on one call where the employer wanted to provide their stay-at-home team with some kind of a you know team building exercise and went with a coffee cupping. So it's interesting in those times of need when you have no choice, uh, the kinds of new ideas you come up with. As far as I know, there had never been an online cupping before that. Uh, it certainly doesn't compare to a, to a live cupping, but it's something instead of nothing. And um, so... Other than that, it was really just making our presence known where the shop is on Hancock Street uh, near Old Town and uh, encouraging, you know, anyone, you know, in the area to come see us. And some of those first people that did are still among our regulars today. So it was tough. Uh, those first few months were, were especially dark times to think back on. But uh, we got through it and came up with new ideas along the way. Yeah, you adapted. And you just mentioned Hancock Street, which for anyone listening, especially we have a lot of out-of-town visit, uh, listeners, uh, it's near the airport. It's a perfect spot to stop on your way to and from the airport. Yes. Pick up some coffee. What is So you've gone through this process. It's been years in the making, roasting, now the shop, COVID. What is coming up for you guys? What do you guys have planned for the future? Is it just sustaining? Is there growth activity? I mean, what is... What is the idea be behind the next, say, six months, a year, five years? Definitely um, getting a bigger roaster, 
Obviously, it's a measure of, of how much coffee uh, you're putting out there. We're just right on the cusp of needing uh, a larger roaster instead of spending the amount of time that we are with, with this current size roaster. But uh, as you know, because um, I, I know you worked in Pacific Beach, uh, Labor Day is almost the unofficial end of summer. And summer is uh, the busiest time of the year for our wholesale business. And um, it's not that we can't handle it. You know, we, we certainly can handle um, new business. But the summer with so much wholesale business in PB, it is just um, it's just day to day and it's uh, exhausting and you don't do a lot of brainstorming. There's not a ton of creativity. There's not a lot of, uh, of, of just forward thinking. You're really just going in, roasting, delivering, um, taking calls. And so with that behind us, uh, we get to put our minds back to uh, some of the more uh, creative, fun things like uh, just constant shop improvements. Uh, like I said, upgrading a roaster. Yeah, just figuring out what more we can do to be our neighborhood's coffee shop and a wholesale roaster for businesses in San Diego. Yeah, that uh, end of summer Pacific Beach, Mission Bay area is just, it's a nutty place to be. And for anyone who's lived in a tourist area or visited one, imagine that being like your every day for about two months. Uh, it's, it's, it can be very intense. Um, I certainly remember some very exhausted mornings and nights. I was just going to add, Ryan, as a, as a resident of PB, I hate the summer here. And as a business owner with customers in PB, I love the summer here. <laughs> yeah, I used to live there as well. And um, I wouldn't go to the beach sometimes from like June until September. <laughs> and then that second, third week of September. To me, that's the best time of year, October. Right now, this is it. <laughs> what what is something that we didn't cover today that you want people to know about make good i you know the um i i i know that your listeners uh definitely have some coffee knowledge um i can think back on my own kind of evolution as a coffee drinker and 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 the thing that was a real turning point for me was realizing that you know the freshest coffee and the most flavorful coffee you can get is from a coffee roaster if your listeners, no matter where they're, they're located uh, in the country, I definitely encourage them to find uh, their local roaster. You're not going to find uh, fresher coffee. You're probably going to see the actual roasting equipment uh, when you're in there. What could be fresher than that short of the farm to get it? And if your listeners are in San Diego, I definitely encourage them. Come check us out on Hancock Street uh, near Old Town. Uh, check out the roaster. Get more familiar with that. And um, our seasonal menus are always a lot of fun. These are not the kinds of coffee drinks I used to enjoy years ago, but um, they're delicious. They're fun. And uh, we've always got something new. Last question. I ask everybody, if you're out and about, you're just getting a coffee for yourself. What is it that you order when you walk into a new coffee roastery? Black coffee. It is, uh, I, you know, I mentioned uh, the other drinks being fun and they are, um, some of them are absolutely delicious, but for me, I want to taste the coffee. And um, if I want to taste, you know, where that coffee came from and the way that it was handled uh, from origin to roaster, particularly by the roaster, uh, to me, there's no better way than a, than a cup of black coffee. That might be boring for some people. To me, it's anything but. It's always seems to be the go-to answer for every roaster. So the people that I talk to that actually roast, it's always black coffee. 
Uh, and that's, I think it's just because you, exactly what you just said, you want to find out how that other roaster handled that coffee. Right. And I think in your brain, you're probably, uh, you're, you're going backwards going, okay, well it tastes like this. So I'm guessing he did this and I'm guessing it came from here. It, you can never turn it off. I really appreciate you spending some time with these, with me this morning and, uh, being on the show. Uh, I'm excited to, to try some of your new coffees and, uh, and congratulations on the new storefront, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that, and um, I, I like this podcast. I really like what you're doing, and uh, I like that there's just an information resource for people who want to learn more about coffee. You've got some real experts on this show. To recap today, podcasting is hard. Sometimes the audio doesn't work right. Sometimes the internet is goofy. But luckily, I have coffee to get me through it. A more interesting take from today's interview with Mark is that he had a coffee mentor, Dave Cook of the Fire Roasted Coffee Company in London, Ontario. Mentorship in coffee is something that everyone seems to want, but not every young roaster finds. That's why I'm so grateful for the guests on this show and the coffee experts like Siri and Chris who try to pass what they've learned on to the rest of us. Finally, Make Good Coffee started as a blog. I'll remind you that a blog is like an online journal from olden times, like the early 2000s and 2010s. Podcasters are essentially the bloggers of today. The point is that MakeGoodCoffee.com has a ton of content, like directions on how to make cold brew at home, or how to properly clean your brewing equipment. Speaking of coffee content, I also have coffee vocab terms for you today. The first is Coffee Berry Borer. The Coffee Berry Borer is an African pest beetle that burrows into coffee cherries and lays eggs, causing the cherries to rot early and result in major flavor defects. The second is hard bean. Coffee grown in altitudes of 4 to 4,500 feet above sea level produce a slower maturing coffee cherry fruit and a harder, less porous bean due to the lower temperatures and higher altitude. That is all for this episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Thanks to Mark of Make Good Coffee Company, for remembering that story of how we met and for coming on the show today. I've got another Coffee Smarter episode coming out on Thursday, but I'm not quite sure which episode it will be yet. I had an episode about climate change planned with Jay Rusky of Fringe Coffee, but we had to reschedule after a wildfire near his farm created evacuation alerts in the area. I bring it up because here on the West Coast, wildfire is a reality that we are now living with year-round instead of seasonally. I encourage you to be wildfire aware and prepared especially this time of year. This week, I stopped to get coffee at Steady State Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and Coffee Cycle. I even had a First Light Whiskey on the rocks last night. Those are just three of the great industry partners that support this show. I also need to shout out Marea Coffee, Moster Coffee, Leap Coffee, Café La Terre. I just interviewed Alden Hazuri of Café La Terre for an upcoming episode, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Camp Coffee Company. As always, thanks to you for listening and for sharing this show with your friends and for checking out our Roast Industry Partners. You can find the links to all of those brands on RoastWestCoast.com where you can also subscribe to this newsletter and never miss an episode. Don't forget to get your tickets to the 2020 Coffee Roaster of the Year, Moster Coffee's Mosterland Halloween Experience. Head to MosterCoffee.com for details. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, and has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. 
And please, always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee.